0: So about once a year, I take a message out, or sometimes a couple messages, to remind us about what worship is. Why we're here. What we're doing here. Uh, And so that's what I want to do here this morning. Um, A reminder of who we're worshiping, and why we worship, and how we worship. Um, And we need this kind of reminder, because what we do when we come together... And our our singing to the Lord is something that we don't do outside of here. I mean, we do it on our own individually, but as a corporate thing, it's a a distinct thing. And there's nothing else in the culture that replicates it. And if we don't remind ourselves what we're doing, what happens is we start to, well, we forget. And and we start to see it as a sing-along or uh, some kind of a concert, which praise and worship so is not. All right? Uh, Now, I want to start with this distinction. Worship isn't just about, or even primarily about, us coming together and singing songs to the Lord. Worship is rather something that we are to strive to do with everything in our life. Uh, worship is ascribing worth to God. In everything we do, and everything we say, and everything we think, uh, we want to, our goal is to have that reflect God's worth in our life, His supremacy in our life. We want everything about our life to reflect that, that we're seeking first the kingdom of God. And so the way that we uh, do our marriages, the way we raise our kids, and the way we interact with neighbors, and the way we treat enemies, the way we're uh, our employees, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, all of it we want to be expressing the supremacy of God in our life. That is worship. Paul says, make your life a living sacrifice. Living self-sacrifice. Because if we're living the kingdom consistently, there'll always be an element of self-sacrifice. That's what the kingdom is. So that's worship uh, as, as a broad category. Now what we do when we come together is a subcategory of this. This is one of the ways that we worship God. Some folks reserve the word praise for that, just to distinguish it from lifestyle worship. Um, But the Bible uses the terms kind of interchangeably. And so we tend to. But I want us to know this, this distinction. There's lifestyle worship, and then there's this expressing through song, and through arts, and through dance, and any other means, expressing the worth of God. That's what we do when we come together. And it's extremely, extremely important. So this morning I'm going to talk about why... We do this, why we praise God, what our motivation is to be, and then I'll say a few words about how we do it, as important reminders, and then we're going to enter into another time of, of, of praise and worship of Him, all right? I want to start with uh, talking about why we don't worship, or it's not why we don't worship, but one reason why we, one motivation we shouldn't have when we enter into worship, although it's fairly common. Uh, I'm going to show you a video clip of a movie I think probably a few of you have seen before, uh, it, of course, is classic Monty Python. Let's check it out. Let us praise God. Oh, Lord. Oh, you are so big. you are so big. So absolutely huge. So Gosh, we're all really impressed down here, I can tell you. Gosh, we're all really impressed down here, I can tell you. Forgive us, O Lord, for this our dreadful toadying and... And But you're so strong and well, just so super. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everybody, oh Lord, don't boil us, don't roast us in a vat. Uh, great. Classic Monty Python. That's one motivation we shouldn't have as we enter into praise and worship. Now, of course, they're given a comical caricature of things. But the reality is that uh, in pagan religion throughout history, the main motivation for praising God or the gods has been that. It's been fear. Please don't boil us, bake us, fry us. Don't send plagues. Don't kill our children. Don't let our enemies slaughter us. Uh, you know, don't, don't cause a famine so we starve to death. And so you, you want to impress the gods uh, so they keep from stepping on you, squishing you. And the gods are conceived of, kind of like that bearded guy that they had at the end of this, uh, as a big guy in the sky with an ill temper. And so you say what you need to say, whatever you think will impress the gods, uh, to keep them off your back, to keep them from squishing you. Another motivation, closely related to that, is, is if, if possible, not only do you want them not to squish you, but maybe even lend you a hand on some things. Um, you know, court their favor. Uh, the gods are seen to be very important when you're going to war, you know, and you want them on your side because they'll help you slaughter their enemies. And so, in pagan religion throughout history, uh, the motivation for praising God and offering up your children and offering up the goats and and and, and singing songs or whatever has been fear and favor. You fear their wrath. You want to court their favor. Sadly, uh, that motivation is not altogether absent in the church. I I suspect uh, a number of Christians still have that as as driving them. And they can have a a horrifying portrait of God, a God who just decrees that their children go to hell or the majority of human beings go to hell and and, uh, predestines that, so there's no option for them to ever get out of that. But you're supposed to believe that this is all beautiful and all good. And you don't want to be fried forever. So you say, oh, you are all good. You are all praiseworthy. You are glorious. You're just beautiful. You're really, oh, you are so very super and beautiful. Even though, though you can't really believe that in the core of your being because there's nothing beautiful about this picture of God. But you say what you've got to say and do what you've got to do to keep from getting stir-fried in the vat for, eten- for eternity. Uh, and and that, that's what, what motivates them. I um, see, the outsiders see that. And they understandably think it's pathetic. Uh, it's like, how degrading, how dehumanizing, how undignified. It, 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 you're just worshiping the hangman because you don't want to get hanged. Hung. Um, and, and they have a sense sometimes of, of uh, out of a moral integrity, say, I don't want to, if that's what God's looking for, I don't want to do that. C.S. Lewis was a guy who... Um, Uh, struggled with this a lot. He thought it was undignifying and and degrading, and uh, had a change of heart on this. He saw something that he hadn't seen before. Actually, before I get to that, I want to read a verse. Here's what's interesting about the Bible, is that while you do find in the Old Testament some passages reflecting this fear-favor motivation, you just got to acknowledge that. That shouldn't surprise us given the limited revelation they had at the time, the limited understanding of God's true character that they had at the time, given cultural influences. You find some of that fear-favor motivation there. But what's surprising, I think, is that despite the cultural restraints, you find a very different motivation sometimes breaking through. Very different motivation. Uh, you find verses like this, and this will set up my, my think about C.S. Lewis. It says, One thing I ask from the Lord, the psalmist says, And this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. At His tabernacle I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. This isn't about fear, and it's not about favor. Here the psalmist says, the main thing I want to do in my life is gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And in these times, they believe that God literally lived in this temple. So he had to go to the temple to gaze upon the beauty. And when he says gaze upon the beauty, he's not talking about a physical thing. He knows that God is spirit. Uh, But he's talking about mentally gazing on the Lord and beholding the beauty of the Lord, considering the beautiful things that God has done, and the beauty of his character. And then as the psalmist does that, now there's a different motivation that he has. There's a joy that he has. He's enjoying God's beauty, and that leads him then to sing in song uh, and in praise. I'm making music to the Lord. That, folks, is biblical worship and praise. Not motivated by fear of getting squished or trying to court the God's favor for something, uh, trying to manipulate the gods to be on your side, but it's rather about gazing on the beauty of the Lord. This becomes so clear in the New Testament. Just gazing on the beauty of the Lord, feeling this joy in response to it, and then naturally responding in praise. Uh, This is something C.S. Lewis couldn't get as a non-believer. but around the age of 31, 32, he, he, he came to Christ an Oxford professor. And then he had a very different, uh, did, he came to a very different understanding. He says this in his great book on the Psalms, Reflections on the Psalms. He says, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of praise in terms of a compliment, approval, or giving of honor. I'd never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world is filled with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. They use a better analogy, I think. Readers, their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their game. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Because, now listen to this. The praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is appointed consummation. I love that phrase. Appointed consummation. The appointed consummation of joy is praise. I mean, I think he's making a profound point. It's everywhere. Think of the last time you were really amazed by something. Something that just blew your hair back, just wowed you. Could have been a sports event. Somebody just made a tremendous catch of a ball. Could have been uh, a musical piece that you heard. Could have been uh, some literature you read and the insight was just so profound. Uh, it, It could be anything. Think about the last time you were really, really impressed with something. And think about how you responded. Did you not go, wow? Wow, that was really amazing. You are awesome. That was fantastic. And if you weren't allowed to say those things, to express yourself, think about that, if you had to just keep your mouth shut, would that not have frustrated you? Wouldn't it have compromised some of the joy of the moment? C.S. Lewis saw that praise is wired into us. Praise is simply a natural response to seeing something beautiful or outstanding or amazing or exceptional and you're participating in the joy of that and consummating the joy of that by, by, by uh, giving praise. And it's not an idolatrous kind of praise. I, it, it, it shouldn't be anyways. You're just expressing amazement at what you're seeing, at the beauty of this. It's a natural thing. I, when I was out a couple months ago out in California, um, I was doing this conference for these folks and, and in between the sessions, they had a drum sit there. So of course, I had to sit down and play the drums. I, I, I can't help myself. I have to tinker with, with, with sets, if, if at all possible. So I'm jamming on the drums a little bit, just you know, trying them out. And the, uh, the, the soundboard guy was in the auditorium. Um, I didn't know that, but he came up uh, when I was done. And it turns out he was a drummer. So we start talking drum talk. And uh, I mentioned to him, and I've said this before to you, that for some odd, odd, odd reason, this 57-year-old has gotten into speed metal this last year. Uh, I just love this orchestral melodic speed metal. Um, And and the main thing that got me into it was the drumming. And so I started talking to this guy about how impressed I am with speed metal drummers. Their feet can go faster than my hands. They just go And they're doing these songs at this hyper speed, and their feet are just constantly with a double bass drum going And it just blows me away. I, 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 I thought I was pretty good on bass drum until I started seeing these guys, and now I realize I just suck. I was like, that's incredible. And I mentioned this one drummer. Uh, he's a drummer of this, uh, one of the bands I like the most. They're the fastest band I know of. Uh, it, it, they're called Dragon Force. Anyone here know about Dragon Force? No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> check him out. Check him out. Man, they're, 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 their, their music is so fast. And the drummer is just always... It's just awesome. Just the speed of it. So I mentioned to him about how I thought this drummer was so cool. And he goes, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. I didn't know the guy's name. because he he's he's pretty good. But he's not even close to the best. And they took me out to his car and put it in this track, and, and it was the kind of speed metal that drives me crazy. It's that monster voice kind of. Honestly, you can't possibly make out any words to this thing, but in and, and the music, was, it's kind of this death metal. So I didn't like the music, but the drumming, the dr- it was like the bass drum was like this buzz. And I heard that, and I go, no wait that's enhanced that's mechanical that is not an actual no, no 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 no. that can't be a drummer and he says I've seen the guy in conference it's a band called Origin I wouldn't recommend the music but uh, um, the drumming was just so phenomenal and he says I've seen the guy in, in, go check it on video and I did and the guy's doing it, it was so I naturally said wow that is unbelievable that is so incredible and it was and then the guy told me the trick to that kind of drumming. Uh, that, that they actually get two, two beats for every time they put their foot down because they go heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. I always just go toe, 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 toe. But they go heel toe, heel toe. And, and you get this movement like this. Kind of like tap dancing. so you get, that, that's how they get to go that fast. And so for the last two months, I've been practicing this. I want to become a speed metal drummer. But I really, I suck at it. It's, it's so—it's like learning all over again. It's so hard to change your brain. Okay, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. It's so it's, it, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Well, I'm trying to—I'm uh, trying to say you can, but it's really slow going. Okay, anyways. Um, so that was a natural response. Okay, I'm praising the drummer, and if I—if I had to shut up, if there's some rule that says yeah, I can't express praise towards, it, it would have been so frustrating. <laughs> it would have compromised the joy of the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm participating in and culminating the joy of this awesome drumming by expressing it. It's this natural. That's praise. Lovers do it. You know, when you fall in love, you're you, 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 you just naturally seeing the beauty of the one that you love or the hunkiness of the one you love or whatever, you say, oh, you are just so wonderful. I just love you. I just love your hair. I just love this about you. I love this about you. And by the way, that shouldn't stop when you're just falling in love. 35 years later, still be looking for things to be saying that about. And if you notice the beauty of your spouse and the things that, uh, you know, that, 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 that charm you, it's natural to say it. And it's saying that you're culminating it. And that's a very important process. Well, when we praise God, it's not that different from that. Uh, it's gazing on the beauty of God and going, Wow, you are beautiful. You are altogether lovely. You're, 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 you're expressing what's on your heart. As you gaze upon the beauty, there's a joy that gets created, and we express it. Now, there is this all-important difference. Only God is deserving of our ultimate praise and our, our ultimate loyalty and our ultimate allegiance. Only God. Because God isn't one amazing being among a lot of amazing beings. God isn't even the most amazing being. Like, there's a spectrum and and it's a scale, a kind of competition. Oh, God rates highest. He's the most amazing. But, you know, second is this. No, rather, God is the creator and therefore is the source of all that is amazing. The source of all we go wow towards. The source of all beauty. The source of all goodness. He's the amazement of all that is amazing. In fact, James says this. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of, of heavenly lights. Every, everything that's good ultimately has its origin in God. And so he is the amazement of all that is amazing. Uh, he is the goodness behind all that is impressively good. He is the beauty behind all that's impressively beautiful. He's the glory behind all that's impressively glorious. He's the joy behind all that's impressively joyous. He's the love behind all that's impressively lovely. And, and so if we're thinking rightly, if we're thinking rightly, when we are wowed by anything that ought to include a wow about God, because God is the ultimate originator of that, now we also go wow towards the person, perhaps, that, that impressed us because they were so disciplined in getting that good and, and all of that. So that's appropriate. But the ultimate praise is towards God. And if we're thinking that way, praising a great musical piece or a great athletic event isn't in competition with God. It ought to be a means of actually worshiping God. Now I'm not saying that every time you go to a baseball game and someone hits a home run, you ought to go praise God. Uh, that might be a little bit weird. Uh, but it, it ought to be our framework. And if, if expressing praise uh, is a natural outgrowing of the joy that something amazing causes in you, and it culminates that joy, well, then you'll find when you include God, when you frame everything in terms of displaying the goodness of God, it culminates and intensifies it even more. It becomes, now, everything becomes a means by which you are expressing praise towards God. Shelley and I, I mentioned this last week, we were up... Uh, uh, we had three weeks of ministry overseas and and in the middle of that we were able to take three days out and someone opened up the cabin in the Alps and let us stay there us and the Erickson's our friends and it was just as I mentioned last week mind-boggling beautiful after the first day when we had fog all around us and couldn't see more than 10 feet ahead that wasn't so beautiful but it was kind of mystical it it had its own little cool thing but then when the fog disappeared we could see the mountains it was just so fantastic and this one time we went up uh, to the top the very top of, of this mountain range, right, right above the tree line. And we we're gazing down and looking at it, and it was just so magnificent. The clouds below us, and this little tiny, looked like a little toy village, way, 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 way down there. The majesty of the mountains, you can see glaciers over there. It was so beautiful. And so Shelley and I were just up here, and we just naturally said, wow, that is so spectacular. And when we are listening to this beautiful, majestic music as we're doing this. And it was just a natural response, kind of praising nature. Wow, that is so majestic and grand and beautiful. But see, we are aware we are aware that the, every good gift comes from the Father above, and this is a gift. Uh, and, and, and so the, the, now, as we frame this as a reflection of God's majesty, the moments actually point beyond themselves. If we're thinking rightly, everything that we are amazed with ought to point beyond itself to the source of the amazement. And that increases, intensifies the joy and the praise. We're aware that these, these mountains, the, the majesty of the mountains is really just a pointer to the majesty of God. The beauty uh, of the mountains is just a reflection of the beauty of God. And as we're just going, oh, it's so beautiful, praise God, it's so majestic. Listening to this music, we were just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. To the point of, uh, we started crying. We started crying. It was so, it was so beautiful. That is that is what praise is all about we are it is why it's so important when we come together we remind ourselves who we're praising and 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 remind ourselves about his character because it's all premised on gazing on the beauty of the lord when we come together to worship we are we are worshiping the one we're just gazing at the one who created heaven and earth the one who sustains all things moment by moment uh, you talk about grandeur, the one who created the universe with the stars and the majesty of the mountains and the complexity of the brain. We're, we're, we're praising the one who, has, who loves every human being and was willing to pay an ultimate price to redeem every human being. We're, we're praising the one. who who, by His mercy uh, freed us from a road of self-destruction, who brought us from the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We're praising the one who put us on, uh, seated us in Christ in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. We're praising the one who's filled us with His Spirit and fills us with His joy. We're praising the one who has enveloped us into His own triune being, to share in the ecstasy of His own triune being. He's beautiful, He's glorious, he's, He's grand, He's outrageous. And as we, as we, if, if we see that, if we can imagine that just for a moment, get a glimpse of that, you can't help. You can't help when you see the beauty of the true God. You can't help but have this joy that responds by saying, we praise you, you are altogether beautiful, altogether lovely, altogether good. It's just a natural expression of what happens when we praise God. And this is why, and as we do that, it culminates. It culminates the joy, and that begins to impact us, draw us closer to Him and closer to one another. Like when Shelly and I were up on that mountaintop, we were impacted by this. We saw a little bit more clearly the beauty and the grandeur of God and that draws us close, closer to Him and therefore closer to one another. Uh, that becomes a moment that we shared together. It's a bonding experience so also when we praise God. He, he uses it to draw His people closer to Him. He inhabits the praises of His people. That's when the things of the Spirit become concrete and experiential and they change us and they change our relationship with one another. It's all important the natural outgrowth of this. We're not doing it out of fear. I hope not. And we're not doing it out to court God's favor. We're not trying to get some kind of a quid pro quo thing. I'll, I'll say these words to you if you'll just do this. No, there's no deals. There's no, we're not cutting a deal. We just worship because God is God. He's not the big mean guy in the sky who's gonna squish us if we don't. He simply is the source of all that is beautiful, wonderful, glorious, good, and we just are acknowledging that. And we're captivated by that. Uh, We're caught up into that. And so we express that. And that culminates the whole thing. We're just enjoying God, enjoying us. (laughs) Enjoying God, enjoying us. And that's what worship is all about. Okay, that's why we do it. No other motivation. That's why we do it. Now, let me say two words about how we do it. When we come together. I'm not talking about lifestyle worship. That we do in a million different ways. But here's how we do it when we come together. The first thing that has to be said, and it's the most important thing, is that Praise becomes praise only to the degree that we are one hundred percent invested in this moment. It's praise only to the degree that our mind is one hundred percent focused on who we're worshiping and with uh, through song and what we're singing about. It's all about to the degree that to the degree that our mind is someplace else, we're just singing. We're having a little sing-along, and that's you know, sing-alongs are nice, but that's not why we're here together. Uh, praise becomes praise. A song becomes a praise song only to the degree that our minds are exclusively focused on Him. Now, that can be hard. It, it requires a deliberate choice, it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to tell yourself to focus. In like, probably tell yourself to focus a number of times during the worship time because our brains are easily distracted, said the ADD guy. Um, <laughs> it, it, it requires ordering and d- d- discipline. And sometimes, this is why the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise, it can feel like a sacrifice. You'd rather be thinking about something else. You're naturally inclined to think about it. Or maybe you just heard some really bad news and you're obsessed with that. Or you maybe you have some other concerns. You're worried about uh, you know, the pot roast that you need to get done right after the service. Or you're wondering why the person next to you hasn't showered for three weeks. You know why, Or why this other person next to you can't carry a tune for their life. And, and, and you're thinking, wondering about the two guys holding their hands in, in, in the pew in front of you. And you're thinking about why your hemorrhoids are acting up right now. Or how are you going to pay your doctor bills? Or how are you going to pay your food bills? Or why is your wife so grumpy? Or why are your kids so rebellious? Or whatever. <laughs> And I'm just getting warmed up. (laughs) You know, there's a whole lot that can distract us there. Uh, And the thing is, worship, it can feel like it's an act. It's a choice to say, I am going to put all that on hold right now. And see, that very act is an act of praise because you're ascribing worth to God. You are saying, God, you are worth more than all of my problems and all my issues and all my distractions. You're, you're, You're more important than that. You're bigger than my problems. I choose to focus on you. And you put those aside. And the nice thing about problems is that they're very patient and they'll be around for you right after the service. So you can put them there and take them up later. But right now, you just put parentheses around it and you focus everything, whatever else is on your mind, you focus this on the Lord. So I, we always encourage people to enter into worship with all your imagination. Because we think with our imagination. We, we, we remember and we anticipate uh, uh, by, by, by imaging things. It's a... It's not abstract, it's a, it's a concrete thing. And so I encourage people to envision who we're singing to and what we're singing about and surrender your imagination over to the Holy Spirit. We sometimes can do just beautiful, wonderful things uh, as, a, 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 as we're in the state of worship. Uh, the, the last service as we're singing one of the songs, I all of a sudden went back to those mountains. I saw these mountains as we're singing about our God, the rains, and the majesty of that moment I was recaptured for me because it's concrete. And when, it, when we are... Thinking of it concretely, that's when it begins to impact us and change us. We're not just singing to the walls here. We're, we're entering into this reality of the beauty of God, gazing upon his beauty. Make it as concrete as possible. Has it ever happened to you where you're maybe just kind of going along singing a song? But all of a sudden, something about the song or a phrase or whatever got you to imagine something concrete. You've you got a picture of some sort, and it, getting that picture all of a sudden you have a different emotion. Maybe you're filled with joy, or maybe you're moved to tears. But it's because the one we're singing to and the stuff we're singing about became concrete and therefore impactful for you. It's like the last time we sang the song that goes, I'll trade my ashes in for beauty and wear forgiveness like a crown. I I remember I instantly got this picture in my mind of, uh, of me on the ground, on my knees, My head's down because I'm filled with shame and I've got a bucket full of ashes, just charred. And it represents all the shortcomings and failures of my life. And see, even now as I'm going back into it, I'm moved as I think about this. And I I raise it up to Jesus. I give him, this is what I have to offer him. He takes it and sets it aside. And then he waves his hand over me and I instantly become radiant. I, I was like an angel. I was radiant. And I stand up and now I'm... Now my head is looking straight forward. I'm not filled with shame anymore because I'm wearing this huge crown that says forgiven. I'll trade my ashes in for beauty and wear forgiveness like a crown, you see? And it just, and I was slaughtered. I was just slaughtered. Uh, in in the best sense of the word, I mean, I just came undone because I saw, I was gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. I was gazing and when you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, it naturally fills you with with appropriate emotions that you naturally then express in praise. And so so moments like that, deepen your love for God, deepen your appreciation of His beauty, deepen the depth of your praise, and as you express it, you bring it to culmination. You see, this is what praise is all about. So it involves a choice to enter into it fully. Put aside all distractions and, and focus on Him. That's when the things of God become real. But we're more than just our minds. We're also, you may have noticed, bodies. We're embodied beings. And what we do with our body affects what goes on in our mind and in our hearts. Uh, It it reinforces it or hinders it. And so it's important that we worship God not only with all of our mind, but with all of our bodies. Uh, That's why the Bible has a very physical conception of worship. It talks a lot about, for example, clapping your hands and raising your hands. The physical things we do. Why? Because what we do with our body affects what goes on in our spirit. We raise our hands as, as an act of surrender or just to exalt God. To just, you know, to praise Him with our hands the way we're doing it with our mouth. And you'll find that as you do that, at least sometimes, that reinforces your sense of surrenderedness or your sense of adoration. You see, it, it, it helps culminate, bring to culmination, there's a point of culmination, the, 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 the joy that you're experiencing from, from looking on, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. So I encourage folks to lift your hands. And if you've never done that before, it may feel weird, because anything you do for the first time feels weird, but get over it. Uh, it's a biblical thing, and it just, it's not like you're more righteous, you're not saying anything, you're just doing with your body what you're, what you're, what you're having in your heart. You just lift him up and surrender to him. We can also praise God with our feet. Did you know that? Our feet. These feet were made for dancing. Uh, and the Bible talks about dancing before the Lord. It does. I'm sorry. It's it. right in there. I didn't make it up. Uh, and, and see, it is... It, no, with, with mellow kind of songs, you know, you, maybe it's a slow sways natural. For rowdy songs, there's a natu- your body naturally moves to... Well, not everyone's moves to the rhythm. I can't say that. <laughs> I've seen some of you guys. <laughs> Rhythmically challenged. Uh, but uh, that's Okay. Just like we can make a joyful noise to the Lord, we can make an arrhythmic movement to the Lord. I don't care if you're spastic, you know? Who cares? But there's a net. Get your body into it. Get your body into it. And, and sometimes it's appropriate to, to, to dance, you know, to, to move to it. And you might be thinking, well, gosh, there's not enough room, my I man. These chairs are kind of close together. Uh, well, first of all, it doesn't take any room to do this. You can, you know, that's how people dance these days. You just kind of just jump up and down. But if, if you need more room, we've got plenty of space on the sides and the aisles are up here. We, we encourage you to be free. And, and, and to, Now you're thinking, well, gosh, if I did that, people are going to think I'm really stupid. I'm an idiot. Well, see, if you're worried about that, you're not 100% focused on the Lord, are you? Gotcha! <laughs> <Caught ya! laughs> nah, 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 nah. Focus on Him, and you won't be worried about that, okay? And, and, and you can be free. Now, here's the balance. There's always a balance, right? When we come together, Paul says everything we do should be for the edification of the whole. That's why someone screaming in tongues in the middle of a service is not biblical because you're, you're, you're not doing it for the good of the whole. You're getting blessed, but the rest of us have to sit around and listen to it. Uh, no, it, it, uh, <laughs> that's not how it happens. So, also, look at you don't want to be worshiping in a way that's going to be uh, distracting to others or drawing attention to yourself because it's not about you. Right? We're doing this as a whole. Uh, I was in a service last year, great service, God was moving. This one guy got really excited, picked up a flag, and I'm all for flags, you've got to use them appropriately, and he was running back and forth on the, up, up front, waving this thing like this, letting out these blood-curling screams every now and then, arbitrarily, and every time I go by, I get slapped in the face with that stupid flag. The whole front row is getting slaughtered, and then we, we scream, you go like, oh, what was that? Uh, it does make a joyful noise into the door. Joyful noise, not terrifying noise. <laughs> like being tortured or something. Uh, so we had to reel him back. He, he's very excited. That was good. But, you know, can you keep it over there? And, and don't scream in people's ear. All right? That's, uh, it's, it's kind of distracting. So you don't want to be, you know, drawing attention to yourself, by j- jumping around in front of everybody and look at me, look at my moves. I got some cool moves. It's not, no. It's, but here's the thing. Most people in this auditorium and listening through podcasts don't have that problem. Your problem is on the other side of the spectrum. (laughs) No one has to worry about you drawing attention to yourself. uh, Because you're just so sedate, no one would ever notice you. (laughs) Minnesotans, we need to loosen up a little bit in here. And uh, you see, it's about screwy ideas we have about church. Because I know some of you guys, when you get out of this place, you have no trouble letting your hair down. You know, you, you, you go other places and you can get crazy. But we have this idea of church that's supposed to be just so aimly retentive and just quiet and oh, be pious. And, and, and even though we maybe wouldn't think that, it carries over. We have this idea that we're supposed to all just be sedate and quiet and whatever. And that is just so jaded. That is so jaded. You know, I, the other night I was with my son. I, I, I tried to find every possible reason to have my life intersect with his. And so he likes Linkin Park. Any Linkin Park fans here? Uh, in the end, it doesn't even matter. Yes, um, it, I, and I, I like them. They're not my favorite band, but they're not speed metal, but uh, they got good songs. Um, so we went to the concert at the State Fair. Uh, I saw a few Woodland Hills folks there. See, that's how I know that you can get rowdy, as soon as you get out of this church. I saw some yeah. And we were in the mosh pit. And they were warmed up by this band called 30 Seconds to Mars that I had never heard before, but they were really good, and, and, it was, and it was crazy, it was nuts, it was so fun, the music was so good, and so loud, and so powerful, uh, and the crowd, we were all packed like sardines for five hours straight, it was just, just packed, but we're all just like, you know, just, uh, take me one step closer to the edge, and I'm like, right, shut up when I'm talking to you, shut up, and it was great, it was so fun and it was a natural response and it wasn't just the young kids either there's some old farts like me around and we were, we were boogieing uh, you know, there was one lady, but I think she was like 70 and, and she was just flailing around every, you know. I wanted to do with her like we did with the flag guy can you take it to the side? But, <laughs> and a lot of them probably couldn't walk the next morning but it was worth it, <laughs> you know, it it's a net see here the, it's the, the, the beauty and the power of the music just evokes this kind of praise that you express with your bodies and so I was thinking, why can't we have a little bit of that? Well, you know, a little bit of that, I, or a lot of that. I mean, I, 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 and I know there's limitations. That, you know, some folks say, hey, you want me to jump? I can't, I, I hurt when I walk. I got that, I got you, okay. So you got to work around that stuff. But to the degree that we can, it's, just, it's not about putting out a show or doing anything, It's not jumping for jumping's sake. It's just about being free to express with our bodies uh, what is on our heart. And see, if we can get that worked up over Linkin Park's great songs and 30 Seconds to Mars, uh, why, why can't we get that worked up when we're talking about the God who is the amazement of the amazing bands, uh, the beauty of the music of the bands, right? We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of all gods, the beauty behind all beauty and the glory behind all that's glorious. And not everything about Linkin Park is glorious, mind you, uh, but insofar as the music is glorious and good, well, God is the one who is the ultimate source of that. And he's the one that we're coming to express praise towards. And so I encourage us to enter into this with our, all of our mind, but also our voice and our hands and our feet, and, and, and just be free about that. Respectful of others, but free in that. Here's the thing. That kind of rottiness is appropriate when we have rowdy music, and we have that sometimes. Uh, and, and a different kind of expression is, is appropriate when we have soft music. Which leads to my second point about how we do worship here. Um, We are intentional on having a diversity of styles here um, across ethnic lines and age lines. Now, that is not normal. Um, In fact, all church growth experts would tell you that that's not advantageous. Uh, The way you're supposed to do church is that you play the kind of music that is the preference of the dominant group, uh, the group that you're building your church around. And um, because people have strong preferences about music. It's not just that we, we... like a little one kind a little bit more than others but most people or at least a lot of people they like this kind of music but they can't stand the other kinds of music like i i don't want to say that i'll get people mad at me (laughs) okay i i just have never been able to get into country western i I tried i'm sorry uh now you're probably thinking the same thing about speed metal so we're even all right uh but you see we have strong preferences on that Um, and so here's the deal especially in America where the customer's always right and people shop for church the way they shop for you know clothing or entertainment or restaurants you know they what do I like what's in it for me what do I prefer and so if you want to build a big church in America you give the customer what they want and so you play to their preferences you cater to their preferences sadly unfortunately what you get may be big but to that degree folks it's not kingdom Uh, homogeneity see what happens is you'll get a a fairly homogeneous group there Uh, people will self-select according to age and ethnicity because different age groups have very different preferences for music and different cultures have very different preferences for music. So if you're just praying to the preference of your crowd, it's going to self-select out. And so you get all people who are just all alike. And the downside of that is that Jesus died so that wouldn't happen. Uh, One of the reasons he died was to tear down all the walls that divide people. Walls of age, walls of socioeconomics, and walls of race... Walls of gender, so that in Christ, there's neither male or female, neither Jew nor Gentile. Those distinctions are, are, are rendered obsolete. And it's supposed to be an inclusive group. He died to create one new humanity, it says in Ephesians 2. One new humanity that is encompassing of all the different people groups. He died, in part, to reverse Babel. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about, when people hear them praising God in their own tongue. Where the Spirit is operating, God's going to be reuniting people, bringing them back together again. Uh, And so the church isn't supposed to be striving to be big and homogeneous. It's supposed to be striving to be as diverse as possible, regardless of how small that makes you. Because our call isn't to be big, it's to be faithful. This is one of the reasons for which Jesus died, was to create this diversity. And I know the amount of diversity you can have is going to depend on a lot of variables, the community around, how how homogeneous is is, is the social environment, and so on. But insofar as it's possible, diversity is supposed to be a goal. Think about this. To not strive for diversity, I would argue, is heresy. And look it, 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 What would you think of a church that, that says, you know, we're not going to preach forgiveness of sins because it just doesn't help church growth. Well, Jesus died so that we could receive the forgiveness of sins, and to ignore that, would, everyone would agree that's heresy. How is not striving for diversity when Jesus died for that not also heresy? I, that, it, it's, it, you're ignoring one of the reasons for which you, if Jesus spilled blood over this, you've got to believe it's important. So we, uh, we have to strive for that. And we've got a long way to go on this. It's a, it's a challenge, but therefore we want to be in, incorporating as, as wide a variety of musical styles as we possibly can. Uh, to, to, so everybody knows that they belong there. This is, this is for them. Look at... Revelation tells us that the kingdom, when it comes in fullness, we will have people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue and every culture bringing the glory of their particular nation to the throne, offering up to God. And we're to be a snapshot of that right now as much as possible. A sneak preview of that. We've got to strive for diversity. And that bugs you. You better get over it because you're going to be doing it for eternity. You better learn how to like a lot of different styles now. But what it requires then is, is that we are, we have to be willing to sacrifice our preference. Um, that means you, 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 you know we'll have some KTIS type of worship songs that appeal mainly to middle-class white folks. Uh, then uh, another week we might have some uh, uh, black gospel music, and then we might have some southern gospel music, and then we might have some Latino stuff, and we might have some older uh, worship songs, some newer worship songs. We might have some hymns thrown in. And here's a heads up. We're going to be looking at having more worship songs that are, are, are really more the style of the millennial generation uh, which will bug some of us older folks. But see, it's, not, it's it's about us getting over our preferences. And it's a challenge because, m- amen, it's a challenge because musicians tend to be good at the, at the style that they prefer, especially if you're talking about amateur m- m- musicians. And so what we've done is, is we've kind of packaged each weekend a little bit differently. Uh, you won't see the diversity on any particular week, but over a month, you'll see different styles being played because we have different teams that, that play di- di- different kinds of, 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 of music and we still have a long way to go to it. But it means that you might come here one Sunday, it's like, oh, I just love that worship service. Oh, the music was so beautiful. And you come the next week and, and it's like, what? I, I want to bolt. <laughs> I actually have had people say that to me. Could, why, why couldn't we have what we had last week? Uh, see, it's about we have to get over our preferences and we're aware that you could bolt, you could Bolt. And go down the street and have a, pick out a church that's gonna, where you're going to get what you want every week. Because that's why they do it. Uh, everybody who goes there gets what they want every week. But if you bolt for that reason, well then you are forfeiting a chance to grow in Christ, to learn how to love people who are different from you. Amen. You're 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 losing an opportunity to to get expanded a little bit more and learn how to appreciate and enjoy other types of music. And you're voting with your feet against one of the reasons why Jesus died, and that's serious business. Uh, So it's about us dying to our preferences. If we're doing it right, nobody should like all of our worship songs. Not naturally. (laughs) But everybody should like some of the worship songs. But most importantly, if we're doing it right, everybody is learning how to worship through all the different kinds of worship songs amen and the music sometimes if it's not your preference week it will maybe sound weird but that's weird or that's corny or that's too fast or it's too loud or it's too soft it's boring whatever i can't keep the beat on this whole thing it's too complicated but yeah okay fine but now it's a chance to make a choice to become disciplined to say i'm going to worship god even though i can't find the beat on this thing (laughs) i'm going to worship god even though this isn't my style it sounds too schmoozy um, uh, you know, because it, it, it's, it's not about you It's about the good of the whole We sacrifice our preferences for the good of the whole And the good of the whole of the kingdom That is very, very diverse And while you may be getting turned off by this Somebody else is getting turned on by this So for your brothers and sisters' sake You enter into it and worship God And this is the body of Christ, amen Amen So as I call the worship team up here We're going to go into a time of worship I will start by taking up an offering Because one of the ways that we ascribe worth to God Is how we steward his finances we we'll want reflect his priority by making uh, uh, his causes a priority in our, in our finances. Um, and, and as we do this, as we enter this time of worship, I challenge you to right now make a decision to put all the other considerations, whatever they may be, on the side to focus exclusively on him. Exclusively on the one we're worshiping and what we're singing about. I encourage us to enter into this with all of our voices, with all of our body. Encourage us to lift our hands. When appropriate, clap our hands. And when appropriate, move to the beat if you can. Um, and I encourage us to sacrifice our preferences. Today's service is more of a KTIS kind of service. Next week will be something different. Uh, that may be your groove. It may not be. But either way, make a choice to enter into this. Focus on Him. So, Holy Spirit, as we now make this decision to be a people of praise, we ask that you come down and fill this place and inhabit the praises of your people. Make the things of God and the beauty of of your character real and tangible and experiential as we enjoy you enjoying us as we sing to you. Let this be a culmination of the joy that we have knowing you are the beautiful God, the beauty behind all that is beautiful, the glory behind all that is glorious. In Jesus' name, amen.